630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. On your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. About a minute and a half left in the first half between Hamilton and Calgary. It's a 3-3 game, but Hamilton driving first and 10 from the Calgary 15. Third string quarterback David Watford at the helm for Hamilton on a quarterback draw. He runs down to the 10, so they'll have a second and five. This drive should have resulted in a kick. Hamilton had an incompletion on second down. Calgary defensive end David Rose took a penalty for striking an opponent in a very sensitive male area. After he was blocked to the ground, got a little upset, and, well, I was going to say went for the jugular, but really it's not connected to the jugular at all, the part of the body that he struck. But it's not a part you're supposed to strike an opponent in. So that was the penalty. Kept the Hamilton drive alive. And now on second and five from the 10, Watford in a lot of trouble, rolls up to his left and throws it away. So a field goal attempt coming up for Hamilton. Only 3-3. Hamilton and Calgary now 35 seconds left in the first half. Saskatchewan and Toronto coming up later on tonight, tomorrow. It's BC and Montreal. And then right here on 630 Chet, we have the Elks taking on the Blue Bombers. Taylor Cornelius at quarterback for the Elks. Six o'clock is the countdown to kickoff on our airwaves. The game will start at 745. Now, as we know, the Elks, as well as some other organizations around the province, have had to make some quick adjustments because of the provincial announcement on Wednesday. So you have to have proof of one positive COVID test to get into the stadium tomorrow, or you have to have a recent negative COVID test result. That's within the last couple of days. Chris Presson, the president and CEO of the Elks, explains the process for fans tomorrow. I think the biggest thing as a fan is just be prepared, either physically have your document or have a picture of it on your phone, along with your ID. Make sure your ID's out, your document's out, and again, if you do that, honest to goodness, it's not going to take more than an additional five seconds per person to get you in. Uh, What we don't want to do is create a lengthier process. What we do want to do is make sure that you're safe, check what we need to check, and get you on into the game. And again, it just creates a third stop, but it will be the first stop of three to get into a game. All right. Also, the Elks are going to have rapid testing available tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 745 outside gate nine at the stadium. It does cost 50 bucks. It's a rapid antigen test. Results take about 15 minutes. It is a nasal swab. After the test, you get a wristband, which will uh, show that you're okay to go to the game later on in the day. So you can do that between 10 a.m and 745 so some of the details to get into the elks game tomorrow the name that everybody's been googling talking about it for the last day and a bit of course is quarterback taylor cornelius out of oklahoma state uh i I should correct myself because i did say last night it was his first pro start not true he did play in the xfl for a few games last season but his first start in the canadian football league his first start with the elks and he was asked hey man what are you going to do to be successful tomorrow 
Just play free. Obviously, there's going to be mistakes made in the game, but just moving on from them and play fast and get going. All right, that is a little bit from Taylor Cornelius. His story is, at least for now, being compared to Ricky Ray's. Ricky Ray back in 2002 was expected to be the little-known backup throughout the course of the season. Jason Moss got hurt. Ray came on and became one of the all-time greats in the history of the Canadian Football League. Two great cups in Edmonton, two more in Toronto. Ricky Ray will check in tonight between 6.30 and 7 to look back on uh, his first start against BC in which he threw four touchdowns. Pretty incredible story. And Eddie Steele is going to be on the show in a few minutes. One of our analysts here for Elks broadcast on 6.30. Chad always has some great insight. Hamilton makes the field goal. They lead Calgary 6-3 with 31 seconds left in the first half. Also, baseball tonight. The Blue Jays in that wild card race. Right now, they in Boston uh, tied atop the wild card standings. The Yankees just a game back. Not a good night for the Blue Jays so far. They trail the Twins 6-2 in the top of the third. Red Sox up 2-1 on the Orioles in the bottom of the third. And the Yankees lead Cleveland 1-0. That one uh, now going into the bottom of the fourth. So we'll keep you updated on those scores as well. We have hockey tomorrow at Rogers Place. Again, no fans uh, attending the rookie game tomorrow. It's a 5 o'clock start. Oilers rookies against the Flames rookies. Uh, I, the media can go. I'll be going to that game. So keep an eye on my uh, Twitter account, and uh, we'll keep you updated there, and we'll have the post-game report on 630ched.com as well. So uh, we will keep you updated there. Jay Woodcroft, the Bakersfield Condors head coach, is coaching the Oilers rookies for this game and the one in Calgary on Monday. He looks ahead to tomorrow's contest. Well, I think uh, all these young young men are in camp for a reason, and we want them to play towards their strengths. We've uh, spent the last two days uh, going over just minimal parts of structure to give them some sort of a game plan. We realize it's heading into the game tomorrow night. It's the third day of the year uh, for this group. So uh, we know there's going to be mistakes made. That's okay. Uh, It's about how we respond uh, to mistakes, how we learn from mistakes and uh, continue to get better each day. I think that's what the message is. Uh, You know, try to play towards some some type of structure, but as you do that, uh, you want to make sure that you're playing towards your strengths as well. All right, now some notes here for the Oilers. We don't know exactly how the lineup is going to look. They do have three goaltenders in the rookie camp. Ilya Konovalov, the KHL goaltender, Olivier Rodrigue, and Ethan Kruger, who's a camp invite out of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Not sure how they're going to be used in the two games. I can tell you that Jake Chason, the Oilers' uh, fourth-round pick, 116th overall from the draft this summer, left practice today. looked like he was uh, favoring his shoulder. There was no update on him after practice. Hopefully he's going to be okay, but he looked pretty uncomfortable as he went off the ice. The Oilers rookies top offensive line will feature Xavier Borgo, who uh, the Oilers took in the first round, 22nd overall this past summer, and Raphael Lavoie, 38th overall from 2019. Woodcroft with a little bit on those two guys. I think they're both uh, skilled players. Uh, Raf has has the size, dimensional size for a forward. He has a great shot. Um, he has a little bit of professional experience under his belt. Uh, so this will be a big camp for him to see to see how he can use that experience in order to um, make a name for himself in this camp. Uh, and I think that starts tomorrow night for him. Um, Burgo uh, is somebody that uh, I I. Have hadn't seen play um 
I've read about him. I understand where he comes from. Uh, but in the first two days on the ice, he's impressed me with his level of compete. Uh, he does a lot of little subtle things that may go unnoticed um, uh, by the general public, but little things that coaches appreciate and certainly his teammates appreciate. Just details in his game. Um, he's another guy I'm excited uh, about watching play. And both of those guys are going to be um, led in the middle by James Hamm and a local product here who played in Bakersfield last year and I, I trust James, I trust his game, I know that he, he can help both of those young men uh, go through this experience and uh, that's why that line was put together. All right, and we'll have a little more from Jay Woodcroft as we move along throughout the show and a deeper look into the Oilers rookie camp with Bob Stoffer, who's going to join me between 7 and 7.30. It is quarter after 6. Eddie Steele checks in to talk Elks next. More from your Edmonton Elks, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. All right, more in the Elks, ready to go tomorrow against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. As we welcome our Elks analyst, the 2015 Grey Cup champion Eddie Steele, back to the program. Eddie, how's your week been, my man? Ah, it's been excellent, Mr. Reed. How about yourself? I am doing okay. I am doing okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of go through the journey of being. Pretty pessimistic after a game like Saturday's, but then as the week goes on, you're like, all right, next game, it starts 0-0, but then you get the the news about Trevor Harris. I mean, what's it yeah. like for a football player if all of a sudden you hear your teammates, specifically your quarterback, even if you really like the backup, uh, you know, if that, if that starter isn't going to be played, how do you manage that mood in the dressing room? Uh, you know what? In reality, it does take some of the wind out of the sails. Um, and it doesn't help that you got the best team in the league coming to town. Vaunted defensive line, really good offense. So it's uh, it's definitely not the most upbeat of locker rooms. I can pretty much guarantee you that. All right. Well, yeah, and we'll see how the young man goes out and plays. Of course, we, we got to give him a chance. Uh, I'll throw this one at you. In, any, any spectacular debut you can remember from your career where maybe you didn't know a lot about a teammate at any position, and then he gets into a game and you were thinking, holy moly, why weren't we starting this guy? Look at him go. <laughs> Oof, that's, a, that's a really good question here. Give I mean, me maybe Darrell yeah. Walker. Maybe you go back to him. Yeah, yeah. Darrell Walker for sure is one. Maybe a guy... Uh, Marcus Thigpen, too, back when I was with Hamilton. He was uh, a young rookie. Actually, him and Chris Williams, both back in 2011. Excellent seasons for a couple of rookies who you had no idea who they were. And they came out and they really balled out that whole season. I think each of them won a league award. So what do you what do you want to see from Cornelius tomorrow and and I know you were you were primarily a defensive player as a pro you, you had to play on both sides of the ball for a couple of games but you know if when you're sitting there watching what do you want to see from the young man especially early that might make you think okay the Elks are, are going to stay in this one I want to see uh, him not have that deer in the headlights look so oftentimes rookies they the game looks faster uh, than they can handle and they're not really processing where to throw the ball uh, they're just kind of slow in the pocket maybe holding the ball a little longer than they should so I just want to see some timing and I mean Jamie Elizondo's talked about him and how he's you know potentially next in line uh, once Trevor uh, moves on if he ever moves on 
and uh, he would follow him up and be the next heir apparent quarterback. Uh, he has a cannon of an arm, super athletic from what I hear. So I want to see some of those tools and talents that he has at play on full display and, you know, just process the game quickly. That's really what I want to see. You know, Dave Campbell says that he should have some mobility and maybe have more ability to scramble than Harris and maybe even gain some yards with his legs. Does that help a quarterback in his first game or, or could that ultimately be detrimental if he looks to scramble too quickly instead of staying with the passing progression? Uh, you know, I think in this instance, it's going to help him because he's going to be running around a lot regardless, just because of the defensive line he's playing. Those guys really can get after it in terms of the pass game. So I think, you can never go wrong when you have an athlete out on the field. If he can go out there and make plays, that's going to be huge. I mean, you look at the uh, the NFL game last night and Daniel Jones, quarterback for New York, you look at some of the scramble plays he had and uh, he had a couple of huge runs uh, where he escaped some pressure. So it only bodes well if you use it properly, like you said, though. You don't want to just be run happy. You want to use it when the timing is right and to uh, get first downs. Eddie Steele joining us at Inside Sports. The Winnipeg defense is good. And I mean like every area, defensive backs, linebackers, and defensive line. But let's focus on the defensive line. Willie Jefferson, I think he's probably the best player in the league. Uh, he was on the show the other night. Then they got Jeff Coat as well. And, and you know, Buddy texted me the other day. He said, what are they going to do? Like, you can't double-team Jefferson because you got Jeff Coat on the other side. Or, or, or can you? Like, do you try to take one guy out of it? Does, does a running back have to stay in and help on every play? Or, or do you have to play with a tight end? I mean, how do you approach going up against those guys? Yeah, definitely you want to keep a running back in for pass protection. And then you also want to take uh, your inside receiver, the slot back. You want to bring him down and bring some violent chips because that always slows down a really good pass rusher because when he chips uh, and what a chip is he's coming down and instead of going right up field for a route he comes down and he gives the defensive end a little knock and it's almost like a blind side because the defensive end is looking up field at the quarterback some of the best pass rushers i've ever seen or played with um you know the odell willis's marcus howard and even willie uh, when i was his teammate a few years back they, they don't like getting chipped. And when you get chipped by a receiver, especially a good physical chip, it slows down their get off because now they're not just eyes zoned in on the quarterback. They're kind of, their peripheral is opened up a bit more and they're not just getting off the ball, going to the quarterback. So I would throw in some really good chips as well. Yeah, that's something to watch for. And I think that's some, you know, you can, you'll be able to see in the formation and if Elks receivers are coming in and doing that before they go into their patterns, for sure. That's, that's a good thing to watch for. Um, is this, I'm curious, is this, I mean, we've seen Wilder have some really good games. Could he ultimately be the key to help and keep the heat off Cornelius if he can reel off some runs? I mean, certainly the Bombers are going to come in automatically respecting what he can do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Bombers have the worst run defense in the league, so they do need to tee off in the run game. But uh, I'll say this, it's not going to be Wilder who's the key. It's going to be the offensive line who's the key. They're going to be the ones who need to open up a hole to give Wilder four to six yards on those first down carries to make it second and manageable for their uh, backup quarterback here. I guess just to say starting quarterback. 
So, yeah, it's going to be the offensive line. They have to move those big boys up front. Wilder, I mean, he's so big, he could just fall forward for three yards. So you get the offensive line opening up holes, moving bodies, and uh, creating those lanes. They're going to be the true key because it's going to be, you know, football's always said the game is won or lost in the trenches. And I feel that this week, more importantly and specifically than other weeks, it really is going to hold true. Whoever wins that battle of the trenches is going to win the game. All right. Well, Eddie, you gave us a lot of things to watch for tomorrow. That's why I like having you on the show. You can pick out things and simplify them for guys like me. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks, Reed. We'll chat later. Eddie Steele, our Elks analyst, one of them here on 630 Chad. Now, I can tell you, uh, you know, we've, Trevor Harris is out. Also, Kwaku Boateng, the Elks uh, defensive lineman with a leg injury. He's not going to be able to play tomorrow. Tanner Green, fullback, is uh, out of action with a shoulder injury as well. Some of the uh, key guys not available for the Elks tomorrow. 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff here on 630 Chad. The game will start at 745. Oh, this will be fun. One of the all-time greats, Ricky Ray, coming up next. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, Hamilton with a field goal just before the three-minute mark of the second half. So the Tiger Cats go up 9-3 on the Stampeders. The Stamps will play the rest of this game without receiver Kamar Jordan. The uh, Stampeders saying that he has suffered a lower uh, lower body injury, so uh, a big blow there for the Calgary offense, who uh, has been challenged to get the ball moving tonight. 9-3, Hamilton leading that one. Later on tonight, it is Toronto at Saskatchewan. Elks play tomorrow at 7.45 at Commonwealth. Our countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad. We'll start at 6. Oilers rookies at 5 against the Flames rookies at Rogers Place. Baseball tonight. The uh, Blue Jays, of course, in that chase for a playoff spot, and uh, they are uh, not having a great night, though they've closed the gap a little bit since the last time I gave you the score. After four innings, the Twins lead the Jays 6-3. Red Sox up 3-1 on Baltimore. That's in the top of the fifth, and bottom of the fifth, the Yankees at home leading Cleveland 2 Nothing. Okay, so Taylor Cornelius is uh, going to be your starter here tomorrow for the Elks, uh, a player probably some of you didn't know much about. Maybe some of you didn't even, uh, maybe even hadn't have heard of before we started talking about him yesterday as the starter for Saturday. John Sexsmith, our colleague at Global Television, had this Q&A with Cornelius earlier today. Hey, Taylor, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the legend of Ricky Ray. Are you? Uh, I, I, I'm lucky enough to, you know, uh, sport his number, so I'm glad uh, that's around. He came in under similar circumstances okay. and went on to a Hall of Fame career. Do you have any notions whatsoever that this could be the start of something big for you? Uh, I hope so. You know, obviously you're you're putting me up there with, uh, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, but nowhere close to Ricky and the things he's done for this organization. Obviously got a lot of respect for what he's done around here, and, you know, it'd be great to go out and uh, just get a good win uh, tomorrow. Well, you got to start somewhere, Taylor Cordelius, so maybe it's a big start for you tomorrow. And I got to say, uh, he was asked about the legend of Ricky Ray. That sounds like a... Sounds like a good movie as we bring Ricky Ray onto the show. Maybe you could play yourself in that movie, 
Ricky. I mean, you, you, you look like you haven't aged. You could play a young Ricky, come back, and, and tell your story. <laughs> Maybe if it was a silent film, if I didn't have to do any talking and acting, it might might turn out all right. But uh, if, you, if you want me to act in it, it probably won't be any good. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Thanks for checking in tonight, man. Hey, uh, I, I know we uh, we talked last year a couple of times, but uh, how are things? How have you been keeping there? Oh, good, man. I'm just uh, I'm enjoying uh, retirement, I guess. Um, it, it's nice to be able to spend a lot of time with my family and not really have anywhere to be or anything to do. Just kind of you know take that all in with them. And um, obviously, I miss playing football and you know being in the locker room with the guys and, and having a chance to go out there and, and win football games. But uh, retirement's uh, you know right up there, a close second. Now, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think last year you told me, were you getting into some distance running or endurance races, or what was it exactly <laughs> that you were doing? Yeah, so to kind of keep my, my competitive desire going, I've been uh, I've been doing some distance running. Um, I did some trail races, a um, couple or a half marathon. Uh, so I've been, been doing that to kind of keep me in shape and, you know, keep me working at something and uh, kind of, like I said, keeps me, you know, a little bit competitive out there now that I don't have football. Well, that's good to hear. I, I mean, I started running, uh, I guess, about 12 or 13 years ago. I think I've done, I think I'm up to a dozen half marathons over the years. A couple marathons, but that never again, Ricky, because my knees almost exploded. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but like, do you, do, you run, uh, do you run daily? Do you get out every second day? And then what distances do you usually tackle just for kind of an everyday run? Yeah, I've, I've been um, trying to run six days a week. Um I try and get about anywhere, you know, around 30 to 35 miles in per week. Um, the longest race I've done, I did a, a 50K, which I think is around the 30-mile mark, um, is the longest trail race I did. Man, that was tough. Um, I think it took me like seven hours to do it. So, um, But then I've done one half marathon, and then I've, I kind of got into it, and then obviously everything started happening with, with coronavirus and haven't been able to race much the last, uh, you know, year and a half, two years. Um, but I was able to get a few races under my belt and hopefully, uh, you know, make, make a lot more races and do a lot more half marathons and hopefully do a marathon one day. All right. So these trail races, like, like, like 50K, that is significant. For people who don't know, a half marathon is 21K, a full marathon is 42K. And the 50K mm-hmm. trail races, is this one of those where you are – in the wilderness and there might even be a little bit of climbing involved and bad footing and small trails like was it that intense yeah yeah i mean it was uh, a lot of climbing i forget how many feet it was something maybe like six thousand feet of climbing um you know throughout the course and man it was a lot of fun it was up uh, in the wilderness um pretty close to my hometown of Reading, about about an hour away and uh you know, I, uh, that's why I kind of got into to trail running uh, from the beginning was it just gave me a chance to kind of get outside and, um, you know, just, just see nature. And um, it was a quicker way than, than hiking around, uh, you know, trail running. You get out and you get to see a little bit more, cover some more ground and see some more areas. And we got some great trails here in Redding, and I've got some friends that do it too. So um, it was just, just a lot of fun to get out there and do it. I mean, the, the race was very difficult. Um you know, a lot of the time you spend hiking, especially going up the hills and, 
Um, you know, you try and run the downhills and the flats, but uh, man, my body was, was pretty more sore than than my legs were more sore than any football game I played. I'll tell you that. Well, I bet that's uh, it's it's a different form of punishment than being hit by a defensive lineman. They're, neither one is pleasant, I suppose, <laughs> but uh, a different yeah. test of the body for sure. Ricky Ray joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. That's awesome that you're doing that. <laughs> let's let's flash back a little bit because there are comparisons being drawn between Taylor Cornelius's situation and yours back in 2002. They're not exact parallels, and and you know, like he said, it's it's not fair for him to think he's going to do what you did. Uh, but, I, but I actually want to start the week before you made that initial start because I think that was a game in Regina, and you guys lost 45-11, and, and I think you got kind of put in late in a game that was that was way out of hand. What do you remember about that one first? Yeah, yeah. Um, the week before, we were in, in Regina, and, uh, man, we were not playing good. Jason got hurt that game, and so I went in. I think I played a little bit in the fourth quarter, and uh, we were just kind of trying to get out of there, still alive. And um, I don't remember a lot about that other than just going in and, and, and finishing the game. But I'll tell you, leading up to my first start, so Jason got hurt that game, so I got a little bit of playing time. But the week before, I think he, he had his first kid, Michaela, and so he missed some practice time. So I actually got a lot of reps, a lot of first-team reps the week before that or maybe that week leading up to that game. And then the week before that, um, he had gotten a little infection um, from a turf burn in the Calgary game. So I got some more practice time, first team reps, uh, while he was, you know, recovering from that. So the weeks leading up to my first start, I actually, you know, got in there, got a lot of first team reps and, and you know, got had a little confidence going into my first start. Well, you know what, Ricky? I, I'm glad you brought that up because we, you and I did the interview last year where you told the whole story about your season with the New York Jets in 2004. And I remember you saying that it was really hard to prove yourself because you might get 5% of the reps, right? And yeah. then even if you throw really well, they're like, well, he's only throwing two balls in a... So, I mean, that, that, must have been, that must have been huge getting those extra reps. Oh, man, yeah, I tell you what it was. I mean, I just look back and think, man, how lucky, how things kind of you know, put me in a good position, you know, going into my first start, you know, with, with just those extra practice reps, um, you know, going with the first team, uh, getting getting used to the guys, um, you know, like Terry Vaughn and, and Ed Hervey and Rick Walters and, you know, a lot of the first team guys. And, um, you know, so it made going into my first start a little bit more comfortable for me, um, gave me a little bit more confidence, uh, you know, going in into that first game against BC and, um you know, really put me in a, in, in a good situation. You know, I think sometimes we got to remind ourselves that if you're playing uh, in the CFL, you, you've played a lot of important games. Uh, you know, Taylor Cornelius has played in the NCAA. He played in the XFL. Mm -hmm. You'd played in the Arena League. You'd played college football. So it's not as if you hadn't started a game before. And, and you yeah. yourself are known for being a very calm player and person. But were there any nerves that week leading into the BC game? Did you ever feel uneasy, or, or or did you feel pretty steady the whole time? Oh heck yeah, man! I I got nervous before every game until the, until the last game I played. You know, even being a, a longtime veteran, I mean, there's there's always those nerves. Um, you know, you you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're you want to go out there and play well, and um, you know, you want to do you know help your team win. So definitely. 
definitely very nervous, um, you know, all throughout my career. And, and what I what I found that worked for me was just, um, you know, during game day, you know, I tried to get my, my mind off the game as much as I could because it kind of helped me calm my nerves down. But, you know, also I, I tried not to put too much pressure on myself. I tried to just kind of tell myself not to go out there and try and do too much. Um, just go out there and execute the offense and, uh, you know, try and make good decisions and then take it one play at a time and, uh, and not overthink it and go out there and, and feel like you have to make all these great plays. I uh, just tried to, you know, play within myself. Okay, so July 26th, you play against the BC Lions. Uh, I remember that, Rick. I, I was working in, in Lloyd Minster at the TV station. I wasn't able to make it in for that game. So I remember watching on TV thinking, I'm sure like a lot of people, what's this Ray guy going to do? And you come out and lead this masterful touchdown drive and throw the first of your four touchdown passes that game. I know I'm asking you about some very specific moments, but <laughs> like that, that, that first drive, I mean, you looked like you were in the zone. I don't know if you felt like you were in the zone or you just, you just executed and it worked out. Like, but it, it was a pretty magical start in that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember, you know, a whole lot about, about the details of that game, but um you know, like I said, I just tried not to put a lot of pressure on myself. I knew that if I just went out there and, and tried to do my job, um, you know, I had a lot of great guys around me. I mean, that was another thing that I was pretty fortunate about, you know, getting my first start with, you know, a really good team, you know, a bunch of veteran guys. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was stepping into a situation where, you know, we were, uh, you know, four and 10 team and then we weren't playing well. I was stepping into a really good situation with, with great guys around me. So um, just going out there and doing my job, just trying to complete passes, you know, get to guys like Terry Vaughn and, and, and Ed Hervey. And we, I think we had a running back like uh, John Avery and, um, you know, just, just trying to go out there and, and, like I said, just do my job the best I could and, and obviously getting into a rhythm early on and, and building that confidence throughout the game really helped me. Ricky Ray joining us on Inside Sports. Well, and you were off and running from there. Uh, obviously, the team went 13-5 uh, and five that season. It just shortened the Great Cup, but then you guys won it the next year. I'm glad you mentioned John Avery because I was talking with somebody uh, earlier this week, a buddy of mine, and we were just reflecting on past seasons and, and past players. And I said one of the most exciting seasons for me to watch was was O2, and specifically because of Avery. And I and I know you could push the ball down the field, and you mentioned Vaughn and Hervey and some of those great guys you had. And I think Tucker started that year, or I get no Tucker might have been the next year, but anyway. But but Avery, like I remember you dumping off passes to him like seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he'd get like <laughs> like twenty. Like he was an unbelievable weapon that year. I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was really unbelievable. I mean, he was a really fast guy. Um, like you said, he was he was good in the run game, but also good in the pass game. We used to run gold shovel pass quite a bit back in those days and um, where we'd fake, fake an inside run to him. And then, you know, I would get the defensive end to come up the field and you'd flip a little or throw a little shovel pass to him. And, I mean, we'd get so many yards on that. And, uh, you know, all the good teams I played on, um, you know, we had a really good good running back. And, uh, you know, they were they were a big part of your team, you know, in the CFL. They do so many things for you, whether it's running, catching the ball out of the backfield, or pass protection. So um, having a guy like John Avery really takes a lot of pressure off, off of a quarterback. 
All right, and, and hypothetically speaking, because I don't think this is going to happen, but but let's say you had a minute with Taylor Cornelius tomorrow before the game or at some point, sometime during the day. What would you say to him? Yeah, I mean, I would just say uh, kind of what I've been saying. I'd say, you know, just you know, stay within yourself out there. Don't feel like you got to go out there and, and, you know, do too much. Just try and make good decisions and, you know, run the offense and, uh, you know, just be a good leader. Be, be uh, you know, calm in the huddle, but also, you know, say the plays with, with some confidence so the guys around you feel confident and, and believe in you out there. And, uh, you know, just, just go out there and, and do your job the best you can. All right. And before I let you go, are you getting uh, – do you get some CFL games down there? Do you get any coverage? Are you able to watch any games? Yeah, we've been getting a few of the games, usually one, sometimes two a week um, on on ESPN. So I think tomorrow we get the – or tonight we get the uh, – is it Toronto's playing? At Sask. Uh, at Sask, yeah. I think we get that game tonight. So we've been able to, to watch as many games as we can and um, – you know, it's fun. I still know a lot of guys playing, you know, playing up there. I know some coaches. Um, it's just fun to follow along. Yeah. Well, and Hamilton just got a defensive touchdown here if, if it survives a penalty flag. So it looks like they're going to be up on uh, on Calgary here. Hey, Ricky, it's always great to catch up. Thanks for uh, sharing some memories there. And all the best with the continued running. I really enjoyed hearing that part <laughs> of the interview as well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, man, it's tough. Running's tough, but uh, it's definitely enjoyable. And, uh, you know, when you're done with it and, and you've accomplished, you know, a good race. So it uh, keeps my competitive competitive fire going. Right on. See you soon, Ricky. All right. Thank you. That is Ricky Ray, former quarterback for the Double E, four-time Great Cup champ, two in Edmonton, two in Toronto. Love having him on the show. So, uh, man, he's uh, he's testing himself in retirement with the distance running and the trail running and some memories of uh, going back to 2002 and his debut as a starter in the CFL. And as you can expect, he was, uh, he was pretty calm. He said he, he got nervous before every game in the CFL, but with Ricky, you never really knew it. He always seemed like he was the most composed guy in the stadium. It is an interception return for a touchdown for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. They now lead Calgary 15-10. They will go for two. Kellen, let's not break till the two-point convert happens so I can uh, let people know what happened here. It'll Mm -hmm. be a quick little uh, running play inside. It is converted. It is 17-10 Hamilton. Back after the break. John Thoreau from your Edmonton Elks, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Rose. It was the former member of the Double E football team, Simone Lawrence, with the 15-yard interception return for the touchdown. Hamilton gets the two-point convert, so they lead Calgary 17-10. Now, just over five minutes to go in the third quarter, as the uh, scoring has picked up a little bit in the second half. Great to have Ricky Ray on the show. Uh, I'm still a very popular player, obviously here in Edmonton and really cool besides getting the football memories to hear that he is into distance running. He did a fit. He did a 50 K trail run, a 50 K trail run that uh, he said had a, included an elevation climb of about 6,000 feet over the, <laughs> over the course of the race. So Ricky's doing good, working hard and staying in shape in retirement. Now, as for Taylor Cornelius, uh, he's not a unknown to everybody. He's not an unknown to everybody in this game. He's not a complete unknown to his, Teammates, new linebacker Derek Moncrief played with Cornelius at Oklahoma State. 
A great player, a uh, gunslinger for sure. Uh, he can make every throw on the field. Uh, everybody, we have 100% confidence in the guy. And, man, uh, I just know he's prepared and uh, he's ready to get this W tomorrow. And Moncrief also knows all about the guy he's trying to stop, Bombers quarterback Zach Kalaros. They were teammates in Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah, no doubt. He's um he's hot right now. And, uh, you know, I got a great amount of respect for the guy. Uh, I know what he does behind the scenes. He puts, he puts in his hours and hours of work on and off the field. So, you know, a guy like that, man, you just got to respect him and just go compete at a high level. All right, yeah, that's another guy to watch tomorrow, making his uh, Elks debut, Derek Moncrief, the linebacker. Uh, remember, they uh, signed him uh, almost two weeks ago, had to spend seven days in quarantine, got out there at practice this week, and he is ready to go. All right, we'll dive a little deeper into Oilers' rookie camp. Bob Stoffer is going to check in. Hey, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.